The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome back to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Taylor Haas. Uh, We miss Jordan. Um, We feel like we keep kind of doing this little rotation where it's, you know, a couple of us here or there. So we promise that there will be an episode in the near future where you get all three of us. Uh, But in the meantime, we have a whole lot to talk about, especially uh, this has been a pretty intense week for the Penguins. No doubt they faced Tampa, they faced Carolina, and most recently they faced Florida. And then not to mention Vegas comes to town and then, oh, you see Carolina one more time because I feel like they're seeing Carolina so frequently in such a small period of time, which seems like it'll be a good thing. We can kind of dive into that a little bit, but, um, you know, picking up three or four points on the road against Tampa and Carolina, which if you'd said that at kind of, you know, the start of the road trip, I feel like the Penguins would have been pretty happy, but definitely potentially could have at least been a fourth point. It felt like against the Hurricanes last week. Yeah. I mean, like you said, if if you would have said going into that trip, the Penguins are going to take three of four. That's a massive success. I mean, these are two of the top teams. No one expected that. Um, but it's just the way that that, that game ended against the Hurricanes that, that really kind of sours the whole thing. Latang takes that, that penalty. I, I, you know, it's funny. We were just talking, you know, in, in the Tampa game before that, I, my, my game story was like the discipline and how like when Tampa was you know, trying to get them off their game, bait them into things, you know, they really did, they didn't get knocked off their game. They held to the game plan. They, they weren't taking the dumb penalties. And then the following night, that's kind of the story. And I don't uh, – it should have been two penalties, but, I mean, Latang has to know that the second – the retaliation is always going to get called, and it was a pretty, like, egregious retaliation. Yeah. So it's it's frustrating, but that's kind of what you have to expect to happen, and they just have to be smarter. And, I mean, Latang knows better. He's also an emotional guy. Um, so I don't, I don't know I don't know what to do. But what the answer is there, but I mean, three or four points, regardless of that, is, is a big success. And the way that they played in the Tampa game, because um, you were there covering the game. Actually, yeah, it was going to be all, right. <laughs> all three of us were at that game, just in different capacities. But um, that game, I mean, that felt like the most complete game we've seen from this team this season. And that was something that kind of Mike Sullivan said after the game, too. You know, they felt like it was that full 60 minute performance, which I feel like is a little bit of what this team has been searching for. Um, at least as of late when they went on that little bit of a losing skid before kind of turning things around when they beat the Rangers. 
But you could just see, like, something that sticks out so vividly to me from that game is, like, Pat Maroon just was looking for blood. He was going after everybody. He had his head just locked in on guys. We saw Mark Friedman. I mean, there's so many different ways we can go with all of this. <laughs> like, Mark Friedman was stirring the pot, like, as if he was a chef trying to make food for a restaurant at lunch hour like is he permanis at like a Steeler before a Steelers game after a Steelers game because that's how much I feel like he was stirring the pot in that one Mark Friedman is everyone's favorite player right now I feel like because I mean you know the week before you know the Columbus game he gets back into the lineup you know he saves a he saves a goal the game before that he was very good and then it just seems like every game you know the Ruedel pairing has been very good, but like his really what Friedman does well is getting under the skin of opponents. And yeah. you saw it, you know, it was, it was brewing really early with Pat Maroon. They were going at each other. I, not necessarily, you know, for him, you know, them shoving each other after the whistle, but Friedman, he, he, he just runs his mouth during, you know, <laughs> between the whistles and sets guys off. And it's funny. Um, we ha- the video hasn't come out yet, but Friedman was mic'd up for that game in Tampa. I would I would pay a stupid amount of money for like the uncut footage, yes. like the because un- you know we're not going to get the full thing. I would pay a dumb amount of money for like the full clip of Mark Friedman uh, mic'd up for that game. But yeah, just uh, that was another game where where he stood out. He he did say well, and then even then uh, like Corey Perry uh, in that that scrum towards the end. Um, he had gotten a stick slashed out of his hands by Perry, and the Perry kind of gave an extra whack to Jari. And if if you watch the clip of that, like the speed at which Mark Friedman just snapped after you know Perry took the extra whack at Jari, he just jumped on him, like put his arms around Perry's neck and took him down. <laughs> it's like, was this when Rust was on the ground too? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah that whole scrum, was everything amazing. was happening. But yeah, but you know, I think he was maybe going to let his own stick slash out of his hands go. But once Perry took the whack at Jari, just like it, very quickly, he was on Perry's back, and Perry big guy, Pat Maroon, big guy. Um, I asked him after the game about, you know, like just picking his spots and he said he always goes after the big guys. Maybe not the smartest thing, but that's just what he does. But um, I mean, Mark Friedman, uh, he's, he's just been so much fun to watch. And his post-game press conference after that, it was it was two minutes of like straight gold. He said... Um, he thinks, you know, next time they play Tampa, they might have a picture of him in their locker room. Like, <laughs> bulletin board material. Like, what a guy. Um, that's the game. He he tried headbutting a puck. Um, yes, that too. I feel like I'm seeing that more and more lately. Well, that's what he said. He's well, And it's funny because he headbutted the sticker clean off. It's so like the 52. The two sticker came off when he headbutted it. Like... Um, like when he was talking after he, he came in and, you know, someone asked about the headbutt and he's like, wait, was that when the sticker came off? And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, ah, I thought it was Perry. Like, no, you know, like Perry took the two sticker off. He's like, rip the two. It's like, you only can be the five. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, he, they might have a picture of him in, in their locker room. Uh, he's, yeah, I don't know. This is just what you want from him. The, because he he does like bait other guys into taking penalties. Um, yeah. He did that even in his conditioning stint in Wilkesbury. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's just been he's just been a whole lot of fun to watch. 
He has been a lot of fun to watch. And I think kind of you saw a little bit of the carryover because when they were going into the Carolina game at following the Tampa game back to back, you're traveling, you know, it seems like you might be a little sluggish. You never know what really to expect, especially as we're kind of coming down the home stretch of the season here. And they came out in that first period and they absolutely dominated. They took that early lead. They played really well. And then you kind of saw that response from Carolina, which you knew you were going to get. I mean, the Canes were coming off a back to back in that situation as well. They had gotten shut out by the Capitals for nothing coming into that one. They didn't look good. I was listening to the Carolina broadcast to start that game. And you could just kind of hear, you know, how, you know, Ajo didn't score, Taravina didn't score, both were kept off the score sheet completely. And that's kind of unusual for that team. But I feel like this matchup upcoming against Carolina is going to tell us a lot because we're learning a lot about this team as it is. I think there was a lot of takeaways from Tampa. There was a lot of takeaways from that Carolina game. And even the most recent game against Florida, there's still a lot of things you can take away. I mean, my goodness. Also, if people didn't believe the Florida Panthers were for real, they're they're for real. They're they're legit. There's no doubt about that. They just have such a deep scoring threat. And I think their speed was so something that was so visible um, and their net front presence uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, and that's a game where, you know, because we saw before, you know, the Penguins, you know, they their secondary scoring was the fact, you know, in Tampa, Dan Heinen scores the opening goal just like he did in the season opener. Uh, yep. Brock McGinn snaps a 13-game scoring streak in that game. And then against Florida, it's back to, you know, the same old, you know, Brust, Crosby, you know, the same face and scoring the goals. And that's you just not going to get you through a team like this. Um, you, you're going to need co- contributions from throughout the lineup. Uh, Brock McGinney was asked about, you know, the lack of secondary scoring after, is there an answer? They really don't have an answer. I thought one of the bright spots, I mean, Teddy Bluger, he came back for his first game since the, the Brennan Dillon hit in uh, was that mid January. I mean, he was out for a while. Yeah, it's been like um, a little over six weeks. Yeah, I mean, he obviously had the surgery. It was, you know, quite the rehab process. He said he couldn't have, you know, solid foods for like a full week. Um, he said no food is good. Blend it up, maybe fruit, um, smoothies. Which, can we also talk about, like, as a hockey player, how – I mean, I know how they do it, but, like, maintaining your weight, drinking strictly yeah. liquids to me, I'm like, the amount of protein powder, the amount of, like – Peanut butter, I'm like, that, wow. I give him a lot of credit on that one. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, he came back and he was on, you know, the fourth line, Aston Reese McGinn, you know, in usual spot. Brian Boyle, the odd guy out. Um, but, I mean, that line, that line played well. And Teddy, he had, you know, maybe 15 minutes, I think, which was, you know, maybe just below. It, it, it wasn't like they, he was really eased back into the – lineup that was just maybe like on the low end of average for him um and I asked Sullivan you know like did you feel like you had to manage his minutes given you know how long he was away even off the ice and you know the whole thing with the you know the food and he said no he didn't feel like he had to manage his minutes he thought Teddy you know worked really hard uh his conditioning was at a high level so he didn't feel like he had to manage his minutes and um another thing with you know and the results on that line were good I mean scoring yeah. chances were about even when that fourth line was on the ice they spent a lot of time in um Florida's zone and and they were a line that really had um they didn't have a lot of offensive zone starts so that doesn't set them up for success but you know the results were good so they didn't score but I mean they did their job um and you know anytime Bluger he's wearing the full the full bubble still and Players hate that, and you yeah. wonder, you know, how it's gonna. It might affect their their game if they're not, you know, if they have, if they haven't worn it before. It's been a while since they wore it. 
and you wonder, especially with like uh, like face-offs, you know, because Teddy did say, you know, it, it fogs up on him. And I don't know, if you're like looking down, maybe it obstructs your vision. But his, his face-offs were, were fine. It was like five for six for 11, like just, just above 50%. So um, didn't seem to be hindering him at all. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's big um, to get him back at 100%. Maybe that could you could get some secondary scoring out of that line, him and McGinn. Maybe not Aston Reese because he hasn't scored since – what October twenty third? I think. Yeah. Teddy and- Pre Halloween. <laughs> yeah, if Teddy and McGinn can can start picking up some points, maybe that you know beefs up the secondary scoring. But or maybe they can get Astoris going. But yeah, um, and maybe it does kind of create a little bit of a ripple effect too, because the game or what was it? I'm, I don't even know what day anything is. But on Monday, when we heard from Brian Rust, he kind of said, you know, it does create that ripple effect when that line's playing well. And obviously, the first line doesn't need any sort of ripple effect with the way that they're playing right now. But you hope that you know, hey, if Bluger and McGinn kind of get going, maybe that jogs something with the third line. Maybe that sparks Rodriguez. Maybe we'll see something from Cap in uh at some point and that kind of leads us to our next segment we'll take a quick little break here uh and we'll uh talk about some uh trade deadline possibilities because we know that's everything everybody wants to hear about with it just about two weeks away now am i doing the math correctly i don't know what day it is (laughs) it's march 21st today is we're recording this on march 9th so yeah we're uh getting closer and closer but we are going to take a quick break uh stick with us we'll be right back When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Welcome back to Podcast on Fifth Ave. She is Taylor. I'm Jenna. And we are diving more into the trade deadline because we know that's what everybody wants to hear. I'm going to do some quick math on my iPhone calendar right now. Yeah, we're uh, less than two weeks away, officially. Uh, It's two weeks from Monday. March 21st is the trade deadline. And there's a lot of questions about what this Penguins team is going to do, what they need. It seems like it's all anybody can even begin to talk about. And it's so interesting because let's at least explain where the Penguins are at, because I think a lot of people, even you look you know, nationally, are like, oh, the Penguins have space to work with. They can go make a move. They do not have a lot of money, Taylor. No, they do not. Um, so, I mean, they're using long-term uh, injured reserve right now, Jason Zucker. Um, we don't know when he's going to be back, but he's, he's skating. So he's, he's probably going to be, I mean, he's going to be back before the end of the regular season. So all the people saying like, you know, Nikita Kucherov, the situation, keep him on LTIR, use that 5.5. They, that's not going to happen. 
No. He's not going to be out for, you know, the rest of the um, regular season. So get that out of your heads. Um, so <laughs> they're, so they're sorry, used- bubbles here. <laughs> sorry. Um, so the cat, the, they're, they're over the cap right now because they're using that LTIR space. Um, it's, it's honestly, the math is complicated, but basically, um, with the current roster, they can afford to take on a cap hit of 4 million, like a player with a cap hit of 4 million, that's prorated. So like, they're not going to be on the books for all 4 million, but they have the room for that right now. Um, so there's like a, there's a bit of wiggle room, um, uh, as, as it is right now. Now, honestly, the way this team gets hurt, I feel like this could all change within like a couple of days and like someone yes. else could go on like LTIR and like maybe they can cooter on the situation. So um, either way, they're, they're not going to have a ton of room to work with. Um, if you're going to bring in like a high salary player, you're going to have to move one out. Um, so that's, that's the situation. That is pretty much exactly where it stands. And I think everybody immediately jumped to the backup goaltending situation, but this kind of poses, you know, with the recent play of Casey DeSmith, has he done enough to kind of basically say, hey, this might not be as much of an area of need as you would have thought because he has looked better in the last couple games that we've seen from him. Yeah, it's uh, ever since that game in uh, Columbus when he turned things around, you know, he got yanked in Columbus. That was his first game back from uh, COVID. Yep. And ever since then, the, ne- the next game against Detroit, you know, he lost, but that was re- that kind of really marked his turnaround. Mm-hmm. Since um, so after that game in Columbus, he is now three zero and two. Um, he has a nine thirty three save percentage, um, and I mean that's just great. He ha- he has better numbers than Jari since yes. that uh, January twenty first game. Short sample size, but. I mean, if you would have asked, again, like, early January, I mean, we talked about it. Like, you know, bag of goaltending is the biggest hole right now. But yeah. the way it stands right now, I, I, I don't think that's something that they should go out if you're going to spend money, unload assets to improve anything. I don't think bag of goaltending is what you need to do. No, and I think that, too, the market for goalies isn't as phenomenal. I think at least from what I've been reading as of late, it seems like if you need a defenseman, there are plenty available. But I think at least, I mean, at least in my opinion right now, I think this team, like, depth scoring is the main issue, and that might be where you look at the hardest here. Yeah, I mean, if if I think if they're going to add anything, they're going to have to get some depth scoring. I mean, we've seen flashes of it in recent games, but consistently, I mean, it has been kind of an issue throughout the season. Um, uh, it's the issue is how do you how do you how do you do that? You know, who who moves out? I Kapanen is is a guy who you know if you're going to you know, get a forward who can score, you might as well move out Kapanen who isn't scoring. Now, I don't think if you move out Kapanen, you're going to get back um, in, in a depth scoring, an improved player. Yeah. It would more likely be something where, you know, you unload Kapanen to a team like Arizona and get maybe like future considerations back, which means nothing. Yeah. Um, because Kapanen, he is a free agent after the end of this season. If you're a team like Arizona, like who isn't near the cap, it's not hurting you to take him on for just a couple of months. You can keep him if you want, let him go if you don't. 
His yeah. actual salary this year, so his cap hit is what three point two. Um, I think yeah, three point two. Yeah, that was right. Um, his salary is a bit lower, um, two point two, which does affect you know cap space, but it, it makes it easier on the team taking him in. You don't have to pay him as many actual dollars. Yeah. So something like that, where you unload him to Arizona and then make a real deal with another team for depth scoring, where you'd still have to move out an asset probably. Yeah. Um. But it's one of those, you know, is this team in, you know, I, it was funny because we always talk about, you know, everyone's saying, oh, is the window closing? Is the window closing? And I made this analogy the other day. I'm like, I think, at least in my opinion, where this team is at right now in terms of their window with Crosby, Malkin, and Latane closing is it's in the summer. You know, it's going to be a rainy kind of day. The storm, you can see it really far in the distance. You can see the rain kind of coming a little bit, but you don't have to shut the window yet. It's not here yet. So at least that's kind of where I feel like this team is, especially with the ceiling that they've proven that they have this year. This seems to me like you kind of almost have to make one of those moves in order to compete. Because again, we saw them play so well against Tampa, but the depth scoring lack thereof really factored in, especially against Florida, but against Carolina as well. Yeah. And like you said, the, the window eventually shutting, you know, it's, there's a storm in the distance. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be like a hurricane when, when the core is gone, like the, this is going to be a bad team. Yeah. And people are reluctant to, cause I mean, the, the pool is empty. They don't have a whole lot of like young guys coming up in the system who are that strong. Um, at least not like very many high end guys. And so I know fans are like, well, you can't keep moving out your first term picks or your top prospects. But it's like when, when this, uh, these like mid round picks or like late first round, they're honestly such like a crapshoot. It's not a guarantee. We've seen that before. Um, and by the time, you know, a, a guy they drafted in the first round this year is is ready to you know make the NHL. Crosby, Malkin, in the tank probably will not be here. So it is like a hurricane coming, saying like, no, we need to hold on to our first round pick. Is being like, no, I need to keep my umbrella. Like, no, that's not going to save you. Like, you, just, <laughs> you might as well get rid of it. You know. Um, so yeah, I I'd be willing to you know sell you know those those kind of future assets to to bring in you know um, depth scoring. You might um, moving out of defenseman too. Like, I mean, the D market. There's like going to be a lot of them on the move, but the Penguins. I mean, especially on the left side, they have they have guys they can part with. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark Friedman has it's a small sample size right now, but I mean, he's shown that he can he can play in the lineup. He should be in the lineup. They have Po. They have Ricola, who can step in on the left side. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, with, with Matheson back, you know, Friedman extra, P.O. extra, Rico extra. So if you're looking at, you know, the D, the D men, like who do you part with who could, you know, bring you back something? Um, I I don't think Matheson's contract is terrible. I don't think him. Matheson has the worst contract on the team. So, so yeah, he's uh, not going anywhere uh 4.875 through 2025 26 and he's 28 years old so i mean it's a high cap hit and it's a lot of years left so even if you're like a team like arizona who has a lot of cap space you're not going to want to commit to that many years um for you know a player who's you know he's a little bit older um Marcus Pedersen, I think, seems to be the most appealing guy to move out from, like, the Penguins' standpoint. And also, you know, 
the other team's standpoint, whoever would be trading with the Penguins, because, I mean, he is younger, 25. He, he does have three more years left after this, so $4 million cap it. Um, it's a little high, I mean, but, I mean, he's a young guy. He has showed potential. And if, you know, it is a young rebuilding team, like, you know, like in Arizona or I keep talking in Arizona, like they're their only trade partner, but, you know, like <laughs> Seems, it seems reasonable, and it's funny, too, when you look at a lot of the teams in the West, I think teams that initially, even like a month ago or two months ago, were like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to be sellers. Like, the Kings have come on out of nowhere recently. Calgary has been phenomenal. The Canucks have kept things competitive. I mean, Edmonton's clinging on. Vegas has even kind of dropped a little bit. So, like, that whole division to me, the Pacific, seems very – you know, those top six teams seem so competitive with one another mm-hmm. that a lot of teams that we thought were potentially going to be sellers, a.k.a. Vancouver, I'm going to check the standings to make sure that I am not uh, crazy here. But, you know, it, they initially you thought they were going to be sellers. And now it's like, mm, maybe not, because they're still right in the thick of things. Ever since Bruce Boudreau came into Vancouver, I mean, their record since he came in is insane. Um, right? They've yeah. been so uh, Martin St. Louis with the Canadians. <laughs> they were like, as of last week, they won six of their last seven. Yeah, he's going to take them out of the Shane Wright sweepstakes. Like, that's good for him. But I don't think, yeah. if you're a Montreal fan, I don't think you want this happening right now. I mean, um, uh, Seattle is a team who's going to, you know, probably be a seller. Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, that's not, they don't have, they're obviously not a very good team, so I don't know what kind of depth pieces they'd have that the Penguins would want when it comes to secondary scoring. Seattle has had a lot of scouts at PVG Paints Arena as of late. You know, in some games, you know, they're sending two different, you know, scouts there. And, you know, scouts, you know, their job there is also scouting for, you know, future matchups, playoffs, but, like, they don't play Seattle again, and they're not going to play in the playoffs. So, nope. <laughs> like, that's not why Seattle scouts are there. So you have to look at it as, you know, like, preparing for, like, maybe a trade. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, Seattle, I, again, I don't know who who on Seattle would, would be an option, but. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, we could dive into that, too, next week. We have so much <laughs> to look ahead to, but they do have some good uh, – good pieces there. Donato, Ryan Donato, that's who I'm thinking of. Like he's, I don't entirely know his numbers this year, but when he was with Minnesota and when he was with the Bruins, like he was really kind of that guy that, you know, second, third liner, but you can, he can get you a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't, I'm just maybe just throwing that one out there. We'll look into that more for next week. Um, But yeah, I mean, this feels like it's getting closer, but I think it's one of those things that we might see. I don't know. My, I guess I'm summing things up. We might see a move or two, but I don't think this team, I mean, they clearly just, it doesn't seem like they can. They're not going to make a splash move. I don't think they're going to be a team like the Rangers who have like $32 million in cap space to make moves with. Absolutely not. Yeah. You would have to unload a high salaried player like Kapanen and also kind of move out an asset out the other way. If you want to get someone who can actually, who's actually going to be an improvement movement actually contribute so uh yeah it's gonna be tough yeah and I think it was tough too because with Kapanen we saw the Tampa game he played arguably his best game of the season yeah he he didn't score um I mean it's been forever since he scored you know two but you know even from the beginning I mean he was flying the thing with him is and they've talked about this for months both him and Sullivan you know he just needs to keep moving his feet you know he'll do things where he skates into the zone and kind of slams on the brakes and he's just not effective that way and um he was moving his feet he was doing all he was you know setting up his uh line mates 
And then you go to the Panthers game and um, he's benched in the third period because, you know, Sullivan needed short the bench. He took Kapitan off that second line, put Carter up there, and then just didn't play, you know, Simone Rodriguez and then Kapitan in the third line. They were just rolling three lines for much of the third. And yeah. You just can't do that. Uh, you know, this, that's not like a long-term strategy. They need to figure out um, the depth scoring and if Kapitan, you know, isn't uh, going to – be that uh if you can't play if you can't play in the top six he's not a bottom six guy you're not he's not doing any good you know sitting on the bench or in the press box so you might as well move him out um try yeah. to get something back and it helps you know you really hope that a team that's going to potentially look at him and say you know hey we think we can get the most out of casperi happen and we think we'll be able to do the most with him you know maybe that's what you hope for yeah yeah i mean because he I, he's a good player and he i mean he's had he, he He's skilled. He has, you know, the tools. It just, you know, I don't know, it hasn't been a fit. But we've seen flashes of, of him with, you know, Malkin last season. You know, he, he can work somewhere in the top six. It might just not be here. So mm-hmm. it might be best for everyone um, if that's what happens. Penguins free up cap space. Maybe can we go make another move in cap it and find somewhere that where he fits. Yeah, maybe he goes to Seattle and gets reunited <laughs> with Brandon Tanev. Seattle, yeah. Island of Misfit Toys. I mean – Jared, yeah. Jared McCann, how often did he bounce around? You know, really didn't have a fit anywhere. And then he goes to Seattle and he's their leading scorer and he just resigns what five million five point five for five yeah, years. 5, so. 5. 5, yeah. yeah and good for him too. You you know, you love to see that and you know, and we talked about this too with expansion drafts, but when, you know, guys can kind of go and, you know, create their own identity and, you know, find a whole new one on a new team. And I think that's what we've seen from Jared McCann. Yeah. Well, let's take another quick break. uh, And when we come back, we'll uh, talk about some fun things happening around the league and a very fun thing coming to PPG Paints Arena this week. Welcome back to Podcast on Fifth Ave. It is time for some fun. Not that this hasn't been fun because we always have fun here, but we always like to do uh, some, you know, fun around the league stuff to wrap things up for you guys on this Thursday or whenever you're listening to this. But uh, Wednesday night or Tuesday night, again, I don't know what day anything (laughs) is anymore. Uh, Tuesday night. in the Arizona Coyotes game, some uh, pretty fun moments, pretty exciting moment for Phil Kessel. He took the ice in the first period and then he disappeared, but for a good reason. Yeah, yeah, he took his first uh, shift, so he did extend his uh, man game, consecutive games played streak because he does have the second longest active one after Keith Yandel. He's actually closing in a second of all time, but so he did that. But the reason I have to speak because his a girlfriend partner I don't know who she is I don't know if he's married or not but was having their first child so so I don't know where where they were based out of but yeah he uh I can't you know miss the game I think he said he wanted to play the full game actually yep that came out after but you know so you know you have to you can't just be on the lineup sheet you have to or be on the bench you actually have to play a shift to extend your games played streak so he did that and then you know they sent them off they're giving him pats in the back and um all that so then he goes off and he's going to become a father so i don't know if he's had the baby if she's had the baby yet we haven't uh i haven't seen an update but um just what a story just one, I mean, anytime a player like leaves mid game like that, it's crazy. Um, I mean, we've seen it happen before, but like for for it to be planned, um, just so we can have his games played streak, uh, 
I don't know. I, I think that's a lot of fun. And I feel like this goes back to the Brian Boyle thing with him meeting his wife at the hospital. Because again, at what in two, in two scenarios, as the man, you're like, okay, I'm going to be there as quickly as I can, but you know, I don't have to do all the insane parts. And kind of as the woman giving birth, you're like, okay, they don't have to see me for all the bad parts. So you can just kind of see the last, you know, however many minutes. And granted, again, we don't know. She could have been in labor overnight and all that stuff. But what a cool moment. And, you know, I just, the video was so awesome to see where, you know, all this guy, all the guys are like fist bumping him. Like in that moment too, you just have to be so excited to be like, all right, we're going to go out there. I'm going to get a shift in, keep this going. And then like, oh my God, I'm going to be a dad. Yeah, and I mean it's a good thing he plays for a team like like Arizona too, where like that's fine, you know. It's it's not you know two teams fighting for a playoff spot. It's like no, they need their their best player. It's like you know a big loss. That's why, yeah, he goes off. Everyone's happy. The coach is like, get out of here. Don't stay for the full game. <laughs> you know, the birth of your first child is more important because again, Arizona. Did they end up losing that game? What happened? I don't even know. No, they won. Well, <laughs> nine to two, they beat Detroit. I want to make sure if I that's yeah right. I was covering the Penguins game so I stopped following after after Kessel uh, after Kessel left but I know I mean Arizona's in a spot where it benefits them to keep losing um, yes they did not they yeah, put up a touchdown and an f- extra point and a field goal that's wild uh, Sorry, touchdown missed the extra point and a field goal Mass. I don't know. <laughs> sparked by what Kessel becoming a father that gave him extra energy is that what happened did that let's yeah let me just go to like the stats of this one I mean they had three first period goals four in the second I mean clearly they're just like we want to show you that we are so proud and like <laughs> you can celebrate your son be like hey I played in that game and technically we got a win I think that's what they did yeah, I you know, is he gonna score a dad goal? People, I feel like how many times do like players like they have their first child or just another child and like they score in their next game? Yeah, I think like what Brian Rust, uh, he said he was gonna come back with like dad strength after his, and then I think he scored like a cra- it was like it was like a crazy like long just like range goal like his first yeah. game back. So, uh, Mark, if you're like into betting, I don't know, you can mark Phil Kessel down for a goal in his next game back, whenever that may be. I'm looking for like what his actual ice time was. 30 seconds. One shift, <laughs> 30 seconds. He took a he took a shot. Um okay. so he went out there, it took one shot, 30 seconds, and then said, see ya. Probably didn't even break a sweat, but <laughs> He got things going, you know, just ready to go because yeah, they were in Detroit. And so he was going back to Arizona. I think the um, GM called him a charter. The the tweet from the (laughs) Arizona Coyotes account that's like, Phil Kessel will not be returning to tonight's game. (laughs) Lineup update. I'm like, this is incredible. Honestly, you just you love to see it. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Kessel, the Kessel family, ooh, ooh. the best Kessel's coming to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, the Canadian and women's national, the Canadian and U.S. women's national team, they're having, they're calling it a gold medal rematch. It's just an exhibition game, but at PPG Paints Arena, March 12th, uh, Saturday, I think 4 p.m. is uh, the start time. But I mean, this is really exciting. They've never done anything like this for, you know, like right after the gold medal game, Canada won, you know, they're going to, ha- you know, have another exhibition game, not the full lineups. I mean, there's some people on these rosters who are in college. Um, yeah. Sarah Fillier, you know, she's back at Princeton. She's not going to be uh, at the game 
one of Canada's bright uh, young players. I know, like, USA, they're, they have, like, five D. So not a complete full rematch, but, I mean, anytime these teams go head-to-head, it's, it's intense, even exhibition games. You go back to, uh, I think it was, like, November 2019, they had uh, – there's a smaller European tournament that was canceled, so to replace that, um, they had a joint training camp in Cranberry and then two exhibition games. And, again, exhibition, it's not really a real thing. It's not – close to like another tournament where like there was animosity left over but like it's it's physical you can tell I mean they hate each other they hate losing um USA lost both those games I don't think you talked to like Hillary Knight after and you know she's pissed like this was like a like a world championship game so it's just an exhibition game but it's not going to be like an exhibition level of intensity so um really exciting you can get your tickets if uh uh I know that the 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 Biggest crowd for women's hockey was a couple of years ago in Anaheim for, you know, another exhibition like this, Canada, USA. So I feel like Pittsburgh needs to top that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like they can too. Not to mention, I mean, again, these are the best women's players in the world. The level of talent, the level of skill. And it was kind of cool because we heard Hillary Knight talking with uh, Michelle Cracchiolo from the Penguins um, when they announced this game. And she said, you know, it's going to be kind of cool because you're going to see a lot of creativity. But at the same time, again, these two teams hate each other. This rivalry is kind of, I don't even know if there's another rivalry in sports like it. I'm sure there's something you could compare it to. But um, when I talked with Brianne McLaughlin, Uh, before the Olympics. And I was kind of asking her about this rivalry. How would she put it into words? She said, you know, looking at Team USA in itself, you put the most competitive women ever in the same room. She said, we, she's like the anger, the intensity, the ferocity that we do like team building stuff with (laughs) is insane. She goes, we go all out for that. So imagine two teams like that who just absolutely cannot stand one another going against each other. I mean, this is kind of the premiere of the premiere. They're coming off the Olympics. USA, understandably, still frustrated with all that happened uh, when they lost to Canada in the gold medal game. But, you know, it's it's exciting. It's going to be so much fun to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, Marie Philippe Plan is who I'm, you know, most looking forward to. Obviously, she's she's the best women's player in the game, she, up there as in the conversation of her greatest of all time with you know Haley Wickenheiser. Oh yeah, Captain Canada. She's I've said this before. She's Plan, the most clutch athlete right now. Like of all, I'm not saying women's hockey or even just hockey. Like you just look at her 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 history it's she scores in every single big game it's often like the game winners and um she has three olympic gold she's played in so four gold medal games um she in in the three gold medals she has she scored the game winners in every single one and one was like an overtime game winner uh, her her record in like gold medal games you know like world championships too it's just insane this is what she does you can they can lean on her um, there's like one year, a couple of years ago, she went down and, and Canada won uh, bronze in the world. Canada didn't even make the gold medal game. So, I mean, that just speaks to, you know, how huge she is and how much they rely on her in these big games. But, um, and even like these little, you know, because the, this tournament, well, this game, it's through the, um, PWHPA professional women's hockey players association. It's just where all these women play and t- that don't play in the premier hockey federation, the current pro league. 
they're working to build, you know, a better pro league, better opportunities. So they, they do this where they tour around, they play exhibition games, not normally Canada, USA. Sometimes it's, um, you know, Ontario versus whatever. They have different regions. Um, and Poulin, even in these games, it's like, I, I think, you know, in a couple that were Canada, USA against each other, she has like two overtime game winners. Um so it's just what she does, and I don't. It's so interesting. She's like the greatest, like of all time in the in the women's game. Talker. She's just like so chill, so humble. You know, she's she's great. She's she's very exciting. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing her. I, I if you're gonna bet, I don't know if you can bet on this. I'm sure you can bet on anything anywhere, but I I put her down for just the game winner. I I, I bet on Canada just because they have Marie Philippe Plan. I can't ever bet against Marie Philippe Plan. She yeah. she. Um, Canada won three two in the last gold medal game. She scored two goals, including the game winner. So she's so, insane. It's just what she does. <laughs> our betting advice here is put Phil Kessel down for a goal in his return, and put Marie Philippe. Philippe, I cannot say it to save my life. Oh my god, Philippe Poulin. Yeah, the, yeah. The P. She's phenomenal, obviously. Um, but put mark her down for uh, a potential game winner as well. See, look at us. We're so versatile here. We can give you everything you need to know. We have fun and we give you some betting advice because why not? Yeah. Also, <laughs> behind the bench, uh, Emily Falzer Matheson, uh, former defender for Team USA. She, I don't know if she's officially retired, but Mike, Ma- she's married to Mike Matheson. Honestly, when the Penguins like acquired Mike Matheson, I was like, oh my god, they got Emily Falzer's husband. Like that's how that's how I knew him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because yeah, she used to play defense for Team USA. She's taken some time off because they had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if she's going to recover from that. Eventually, get back into you know playing for the national team but um she's gonna be an assistant coach so i don't know so you figure some of the penguins will be there um when they had the exhibition game in 2019 uh, a couple of them showed out um i remember like jared mccann was like chirping you know uh like john marino and like sam lafferty the guys he went with because like canada won those games marie fully playing was scoring in those games i think she had she had like a breakaway goal and uh, i remember like became was still chirping like the guys in the locker room like the next day at practice so um yeah, the Penguins, yeah, a couple of them I'd, I'd expect to show up, um, especially Mike Matheson, uh, you yeah. know, with his wife behind the bench. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. What a cool event that's going to be. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, definitely uh, you should definitely do that. And we'll have a whole lot of recap from uh, that as well as kind of the next stretch of Penguins games here coming up for you next week. But that'll do it for us here uh, on podcast on Fifth Ave this week. Thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify. I'm sure there's other ones that I just do not know of. (laughs) Google, I don't know. Google us, you'll find it. Um, Definitely tune in, definitely keep listening. Uh, Have a great week. We'll see you next week.